0: To be here on this lovely Sunday, I don't know if you saw the cotton candy clouds from the sunrise, exceptionally pretty, I also noticed that we're gaining daylight, that's nice, (laughs) amen, I'll take what I can take, so last week was the 12 spies This week we're going to continue by looking in Joshua chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when sorry, when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they bear the Ark were coming to the Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for the Jordan overfloweth all his banks the time of the harvest. We're going to talk about crossing the Jordan. So I, for the first time ever, looked forward in the lesson plans. That way I could tell how far I was allowed to talk. (laughs) We will be discussing nothing of Rahab or Jericho. Sister Donna has all permission to wag her finger if I even mention it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But from the spies, I've noticed that from that point forward, it seems to be that whenever a vision is cast, we no longer get to see the enemy. Because it's not supposed to occupy our thoughts and speech. What God is trying to show us is not dictated by opposition, it's dictated by what He says. And the thing about the Jordan that I like is, I wonder if they were excited. You've heard of this promise. You've come back to this promise. Two of you were fortunate enough to briefly walk and spy out this promise. And now you are about ready to take it. I wonder if they were excited. Because I wonder with where we're at, if we realize how close to promise we are. Or if we just come in every Sunday and it's just another church service. Do I realize how close I am to stepping into what the apostles thought they were going to walk in? They got to see it. They got vision of it. Revelation of it. They thought they were going to have it. Here we are. Are we excited? Or is it just one of those things? For me, when I think about the Jordan, I find it amazing. Because God said to Abraham, this is the land I'm going to give to your descendants. He gave a promise. And the promise was so vast. He said, my promise will outlive you. I'm not going to give this to you. This is an inheritance for what's going to come out of you. Now we can talk about Sarah. Sarah only had to be listed in the promise after she forfeited her position. Because she took Hagar and it says she gave him To be his wife. Well, you went from being the wife to a wife. Now you have to be specified which wife it's going to be. There was no competition. It was just you and Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have descendants. Well, by default, you're the only one. He ain't going to just... Split and duplicate. This is a partnership. We're going to work this out. But when he gave that land, when it was with Lot, they looked at that promise and it couldn't bear them together. And so Lot shows us what it is to look by sight. I took this, I took the plain because it was well watered and green and lush. Well, if you can see it's good in the physical, so can the world. But I, I think of that because he was told that your descendants are going to be so numerous. And now it's just us two. We can't dwell together. But I think of Genesis in creation that on the second day, in verses 6 and 8, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters, which were under the firmament of the waters, which were above the firmament, and it was so. So. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Anybody notice something missing? This is a day He never said it was good. Because God doesn't call it good until the third day. He calls it good twice. And the reason He did is because He's not going to call what He made good until it's first occupied by what's going to give him glory. The heavens declare his glory, and he said, even though I made this, it's not good until it is glorifying me. Here's this lamb. It's promised to you. But it's not good that the enemy has it. Just wait. When you step into this, There's going to be a blessing that glorifies God. There's going to be a cry that comes out to the people. You came out of slavery. And then they get charged. You have to have the priest step in first. Understand, your promise will be led by your spiritual authority. You don't get to cross just because you think you're so special. Never will we be getting victory if I think I don't need the priesthood. That's Saul. I don't need you. I got a promise. I have a crown. I got anointing. I don't need you for sacrifice. Wait a minute. (laughs) Just saying. But something struck me, Is he said, I'm not going to open up your promise until you walk into the water. You see, there are a lot of people out here preaching this word. Preaching about God. Preaching about the cross. And yet, they have to claim, well, those signs are done. That ended with the apostles because you think you can have access to promise without ever getting in water. That doesn't happen. There's a reason you want to walk in what he promised you can have. You have to first get wet. Amen. There's a reason. One of the things that is interesting to me is in verse 15. If you'll focus, it says, For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. So, do you understand? I have been hearing, and it has been preached and proclaimed and prophesied. We're in the season of harvest. We're in the season of harvest. We're in the season of harvest. And everybody's like, look to the field. I'm looking to the river. Because the season of harvest declares, I'm about ready to cross you into promise. Because you cross into promise when the river is at its greatest. Because what you're about ready to step into will not be achieved by your flesh's effort. You don't get to swim across this. You have to walk by what God opens up. And the interesting thing about this river is the reason they said it would overflow is if you go back to ancient cultures, they all built around rivers. And the reason for it is because the riverbed contained the richest soil. And so God is sitting here and they have a promise. Everywhere you place your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And the first place that their foot will touch when it leaves the wilderness and into promise is in a place of fertility. Do you understand that as God opens up this promise, our feet are going to touch and walk in something that begins to t- It changes the nature of any soil it comes in contact with. That's why what was by the riverbed when it overflowed and that soil was allowed to come up on the banks, it was the richest planting soil. We sit here and say, God, how are you going to win our backslidden? God, how are you going to change their hearts? God, how are you going to do this? But we have a promise... In Amos 9, that says the days will come when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Why? Because the soil that has been walked in by his children is changing the nature of the land to the degree that it is reaping a harvest so great that the sower is like, get out of my way. And the reaper's like, wait a minute, we're not done. (laughs) I want you to think about what has been promised for the church to walk in with this end time harvest. That you are going to be walking from a peeled back Jordan into fertility that you just keep praying what is flowing out of your belly. Because it is going to carry over what you are praying a nature that changes the soil of the heart. Let it overflow. Don't get disappointed because, oh, well, they haven't got it yet. So what? I have backsliders in my family. I have those that don't have this. I have a promise. I also have an enemy that says it'll never happen. But I also have another promise that Brother Hernandez gave that I attribute to this. Because he said, if you'll just seek God, you will be able to change the nature of the atmosphere, not by only what you speak, by what you're walking in. That's not a promise for Mitchell, that's a promise for the church. When we look at this, and I look at the Jordan, I realize something. The promise is there and will only be gained through unity. This idea that permeates, well, I'll make it. That's wilderness mentality. That's not promise mentality. Because it says in verses 14 and 15, your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord hath given Your brethren rest as he has given you, and they shall have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it. When we get this open door and we start stepping into promise, your promise doesn't mean you're done fighting until all of us All of us occupy the promise. And this isn't all of us sterling. This is all of us Alaska. And when Alaska's got it, it's not all of us Alaska. It's all of us United States. And when it's the United States, it's not all of us United States. This promise is to the ends of the earth. You need to realize if you're the first one to get the promise, it's not so you that you can sit there and enjoy the fruits. It's so what is being is being birthed and is being harvested in your promise becomes a supply chain for the rest of us battling. Because in the promise, your resources are going to come from what you conquer. He said, I am going to give you things you didn't plow. Why? Because I want you to keep taking. I don't want you to worry about this. I got the harvest taken care of. You just keep going. You keep going. Because church, we need to realize. We need to realize we're on the brink of Walking in promise. If you don't sense it, dare I say, you need some more time in prayer. You really do. And I don't say that to be mean. I don't say that to be little. I don't say that for any reason other than kneel down and touch that water a little bit. Realize where we're at. When we get there, we're going to have such an amazing time that all of a sudden, we're going to see things we've never seen before, just as they did. You're on the verge of promise. God said, when you get into this land, if you will obey me, I'm going to cause everything to multiply. Now, I want you to stop and consider this. If God's people can multiply, multiply greatly in the land of the enemy's affliction, what happens when they get into the land of God's promise? Because when we do that, if the enemy can multiply us like that, what do you think happens when the end time church steps into steps into what has always been prophesied. When that Jordan came back, God gave instruction. Take 12 men from your 12 tribes. I want you to grab 12 stones out of this dry riverbed. And I want you to carry it to the other side. Now, I imagine that these weren't just ordinary stones. I tend to imagine that they found themselves staring at the 12 stones that are found on a priest plate. Wait a minute. I was looking for rocks. But all of a sudden, God had it there for us. that must be me I'm Judah but what amazes me about this and what encourages me about this is pick it up and I want you to go to the other side and we're going to set it up for a memorial because we have to realize that the opening of the promise is immediately struck by picking up burden and If we will pick up what is commanded to be picked up and carry it unto the end where it's commanded to be put down, it now transitions from burden to memorial for your children. It testifies forever what God does. Forever. What do these stones mean? This is when... He pulled back the Jordan for us. This is the God that opened the Red Sea for us. There are things that God is just going to open up in your promise and it's going to be heavy. It's not going to be pleasant. I don't imagine the stone was this little thing. Grab 12 men. Make sure they're strapping. We're we're carrying something that's going to get your kids' attention. But whenever they doubt, Let me take you back to the water. Let me show you. Let me show you. Because my kids, if they ever doubt what God did for me, I'm going to take them back to the water. I'm going to show them what stones were in there. I have no shame of telling them this is what your dad was. You may not like your dad as a teenager, but you need to be thankful you don't have the dad that didn't know Christ. Because there are certain things that I carried my whole life that stop with me. Another thing that I think is amazing is that they had to go across and then they had to circumcise. It's not pleasant. I wouldn't imagine as a grown man with whatever utensil they decide was a knife this was going to be a pleasant process. But it said that those that were born in the wilderness had to be circumcised. Because I need to get a hold of the fact That my promise requires me to first address the nature of my flesh and to reduce it. You might have been okay to walk in wilderness. You can't have that much flesh and promise. And the reason for it is because you're stepping into multiplication. And the promise can only be propagated while it is contained within covenant. You are not going to get access to the abundance more numerous than the stars if you want to stay out of covenant. People are like, holiness isn't important. Really? You think so, huh? Well, let me tell you. Oh, well, I could talk to God. I have no doubt. I talked to God as a sinner. I didn't expect them to show up. My testimony of God showing into my apartment and it sitting there and it filled with light that felt like water and it moved. That's a testimony of how great God was, not the condition I was in. Don't tell me because God speaks to you that it testifies of your condition. It testifies of how great He is. You can come in from the world and come up here and hear from God. Kneel down and repent. You might for the first time in your life hear a small voice that says, I love you. I've been waiting for this. Because I remember when I birthed Melanie, well my wife did, but I got to hold her. Well, I was there. I learned I learned never grab the hand of a birthing woman. <laughs> Whew! I did not know women were that strong. <laughs> Tip for you young men. <laughs> no oh no crushed fingers (laughs) when I looked at her I it, it amazed me I thought love at first sight was a joke I have never fallen in love with somebody so quickly ever and though she had only been there for minutes It felt like she was with me forever. She was always a part of me. And now I got to hold her. And I remember I was talking to her. I said, you know what? I'm sorry you got the dad you got. But I'm going to do my best to show you the father you have. But I love you. And it is my sole wish that you love him. And I'm sitting there with her and it was the first time God said, if you be an evil, feel that way about your kid. Do you know what it was like the first time I got to pick you up? It changed my perspective permanently. Permanently. Because I was constantly in a state of trying to win his affection. And I'm looking at a person where I realized nothing you do is going to make me love you any more than right now. I don't care if you go to Ivy League. I don't care if you become a CEO. I am fully in love with you. And when we come out of that water and that cry comes out of our spirit, God is holding something where He says, Can you just understand? I love you. And I want you to walk into what I made you for. You weren't meant to be in Egypt. You weren't meant to die in the wilderness. You're supposed to walk in promise. There's a reason we go on the journey because we're not meant to be chased out of it. You can enter in to promise without God. You cannot keep it. God told them initially, don't go, I'm not going with you. We're going to take it. Oh, they walked in it all right. I don't know if it was minutes. I don't know if it was hours. But it certainly wasn't a day. (laughs) You were chased right out. If that's all you ever want, then I do not envy your walk. I want more. Because I realize that what we're going to see is greater than I can conceive and think. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be from God. Why this is important is because I can conceive of a lot. I have an amazing imagination. So when God's like, my my thoughts are higher, it's more than you could ask or think. It's like, Lord, I can think a lot. (laughs) A lot. I got an incredible imagination. But the thing is, is I didn't realize it would take Egypt and the wilderness to get me here. Sometimes I can get so fixated on the journey and what I've had to go through that I miss that he prepared me to take what he has for me. And be like, oh, well, you know, manna. I got manna. No. You're meant to live in fruitfulness. It's good that you have manna. But you're supposed to progress from it. It's good that we can have the milk of the word preached to us. Are you going home and eating some meat? Or are you just going to sit here and try and suck a minister dry? be like, I'm still hungry. You didn't feed me. Well, wait a minute. Our covenant is so that you can walk. I can walk. And that we can walk after him. Not that he can carry me. You see, when God has something peeled back, it's so that he can let something greater in. I'm going to remove this Jordan so that you can walk in something greater than where you've been. And ultimately, it has been pretty great. Nothing worn out. Mountain on fire. I mean, you had some great experiences. The awful ones were you're doing. It's not what he wanted for you that's what you did to yourself so sometimes I got to look back and wonder the awfulness of my wilderness experience that's probably me God I don't know why you're doing this to me I don't know why you're doing it to you But, church, I realize that what God has for us is so great that it affects everything else. You see, when I talk about covenant, you'll have other churches be like, well, we can pray. Great. How about holiness? Well, no, we don't need that. How about speaking in tongues? No, we don't need that either. Well, okay. God said, I sit you in heavenly places, and you think you're going to get there with your single engine Cessna. (laughs) All right. Best of luck to you. I don't know where you think you're going without the Holy Ghost. It was God leading you. Do you realize that God made a declaration? to the entire enemy that was occupying the promise because they were in wilderness? Stop and think about what was happening to them in the wilderness. There was a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Cloud by day, fire by night. But when the tabernacle was set in the middle, it would be a pillar that would go up And it would cover the camp. Do you realize you are looking at the first known mushroom cloud? (laughs) We got the enemy's attention when we split an atom. What do you think that did? You've been looking at that off of... What is that out there? For 40 years. Coming, going... Coming, going, like, oh, no. (laughs) To where the enemy had more faith in who their God was. We know. We've been looking. We're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) She's wagging her finger. (laughs) But... The point is, is that there they were. You were covered to go into this. Yes. Yes. We've been covered. This, this, this is not church. Hear me. This is not church. This is trying to spiritually prepare us for what we're about ready to get into. Because it's going to be intense. It's going to be amazing. And there will be giants. But so what? Remember, your enemy is bigger than you. But they're never bigger than him. So what? I don't need to be bigger than my enemy. Why? Because God has told us you're already victorious. I have overcome. And this is astounding to me because while I was in here, I told, I told Brother Mike, I was in here with, with Thomas, we were praying all t- through the night. <clears throat> and the Lord began to stir on something. And this is what he stirred. That Brother Hernandez voice whispered back in my ear. Physical reality will show you a spiritual principle. And I've learned when that comes in, I'm about ready to be taught something. I'm like, all right. What am I missing? And all of a sudden, just boom. It was the james webb telescope was created and launched into outer space for the purpose of seeing deeper into the universe than ever before and all of a sudden it was the church will be lifted to a place where it will see deeper into my glory than it's ever before because The physical is trying to represent the promise. It's trying to show us you're about ready to see what you never imagined you would. You're not even prepared for what you're going to see. This is so great. And I want you to realize God wants you to have this so much. And he wanted them to have it so much that he sent the captain of the Lord's host. This is the general. This is the five-star. Even though the arm is technically the only one that gets the five-star, the marines are the ones that sing about guarding heaven, so we can debate which uniform this angel was wearing. <laughs> There he was. They, Are you with us? Are you with them? I said, Nope. I'm with the Lord. <laughs> this is very dangerous territory. Brother Hernandez taught me something, and I've always remembered it. He told me, He said, Do you know why most people never, ever see angels? I said, no. He said, because angels do not react well in the presence of pride. They remember what happened last time. He said, when that angel presented himself, he said, I am not for you. I am not against you. Where I am is with the Lord and where I, what I will be to you will be dependent on your alignment. If you want to act like them, we're going to have a problem. But church, Brother Hernandez taught me something, and I want to share it with you. Because Brother Lamas has come here, and he has is, he is sat here and just imparted powerfully. And he told us last year, right around this time, God has just given Sterling 172,000 angels. Now, I remember that because I remember distinctly that is the number of the United States Marine Corps. And I remember because the Marine Corps is the one's that sit here and guard the embassies. The army does not. And he says, you are ambassadors. And so immediately I understood what this became. It went from a place of gathering to an embassy. I'm like, okay, ambassadors here. The guardians are here. I get this. That's about the fullness of my understanding. But the Lord of hosts, what Brother Hernandez taught me, is he taught me this principle. He said, do you understand how committed God is to your victory? I said, I don't know. Teach me. He said, good. And he pointed right to this. The Lord... The captain of the Lord's host. And he started getting into numbers. We have billionaires on the earth. We might have a trillionaire soon. But our minds really don't conceive of the difference of numbers. If you have one million seconds, it will add up to 11 days. If you have one billion seconds, that is 34 years. If you have one trillion seconds, that is just under 36,000 years. One million is a one followed by six zeros. One billion, a one followed by nine. One trillion, one followed by 12. And he said, you ready to learn something? I said, yes, I am. He said, let me teach you about heaven's count. I said, I'm listening. The largest number that we have, we have a number that is known as a Google. This is where we get the Google server from. But it's spelled G-O-O-G-O-L. This is one followed by 100 zeros. This is so that you can understand the largest number, which is a 10 followed by a Google of zeros. This number is known as a Googleplex. The Googleplex is so large that if you were to sit here and print the number itself on 400-page books, just one after zero after zero, normal font, you would have to have books that weigh up to four Milky Way galaxies. If you were to take a Googleplex, which is the number we ascribe to to describe every known particle in the known universe, this is its estimated count. A Googleplex. Every atom, every electron, every photon, everything. You were to add it all, Googleplex. If you were to take a grain of sand and do a Googleplex, the known universe is not big enough to contain that sand. That's what he said. And he said, now let me teach you about heaven's count. In Hebrews 12, 22, When it says, to an innumerable company of angels. He said that word innumerable does not mean infinite. Because infinity is a count, not a number. He said, but heaven doesn't start counting until it has first surpassed man's conception of being able to number it. And he said, the angels that are available to God's people are well over a Googleplex. And he said, the general just said, me and my army are coming with you. Do you realize when this Jordan peels back what heaven is going to ascribe? We are not leaving this world with a whimper. We are leaving with a victorious shout. Because when we cross the Jordan, victory is assured. All right. Greet one another. Get ready. Let's worship. Let's.